for nine years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And 30 years of Rosie on the House. And welcome back, y'all. My front door is still wide open. You're still welcome. We're here at Rosie on the House for the benefit of you, the Arizona homeowner. We've covered the gamut today, 7 o'clock hour. We were talking about the sky and the universe with the chair of the Oracle State Park Dark Sky Committee and their big dark sky party they're having next Saturday night at Oracle State Park. It's open to the public. Why don't you plan on getting there? It'd be a fantastic. You get to be there in the dark sky environment with people with an educated view of what's up there with telescopes, astronomy clubs, uh, bring the kids at $7 a car. Yes, you can bring an ice chest with sandwiches and cold drinks and waters and Gatorades and just have a great evening next Saturday at Oracle State Park. And uh, as well, if you're up in the Phoenix area, you can get on the Dolly Steamboat with uh, Dr. Sky and have the dinner cruise next Saturday night. That's also a great family event. Eight o'clock hour, we had uh, the urban farmer, Mr. Greg Peterson, on talking about the importance of soil preparation. Nine o'clock hour, we've got uh, Miss Julia Beja from ASU School of Broadcasting helping us because Jennifer, sweet Jennifer, is out today at a women's seminar. Julia, that you uh, you were kind of busy in there last hour. They uh, we we had the phones lit up there for a little while. We appreciate. Yeah, it was really busy. It was great. We had so many callers, so many good questions. <laughs> we covered a lot of topics. Yeah, there were a couple we couldn't get to. You got their name and number. I can talk to them after the broadcast, right? Yes, we did. We anyone who we didn't get to, I got their name and number, and we're gonna get back to them. You uh, you make it into Rosie on the house a lot of times during the week. We have people call us at the office and say, Rosie, all I got was busy, busy, busy for two hours. Once you get in, I promise you, you'll get your answer, okay? So you get in. Even if we don't get you on air, we'll get your name and number, and I'll get back in touch with you. So it sounds like after the show today, we've got two or three to follow up with, and I will certainly do that. In this hour, we've invited Rosie, certified roofer, Lions Roofing, been a partner of Rosie on the House, for well over 15 years, right, Paul? Yep. Paul Lanou. Close to that. With his sweet wife, Miss Rhonda. Rhonda, thanks for coming in, darling. <laughs> thanks for coming in. So Lions Roofing is here. I was talking in the last hour about, y'all remember the commercials where the loneliest people in the world was the Maytag washer and dryer repairman. But right now, I think the loneliest people in the world are roofers in Arizona where it's only rained one inch in the last 10 months. <laughs> Paul, everyone's ignoring their roof. They are. It, it's <laughs> weather is beautiful. Yep. The only thing is that sun is still beating on that roof. Yeah, I mean it is. It is probably one of the largest, most single components of the entire home. And without a good roof, you've got nothing. Absolutely nothing. Talk a little bit about your background. You you've got a, a colorful background. Well, anybody that is in the roofing industry in Phoenix for a lifetime has a colorful story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started in business uh, 
maybe 26, 28 years ago, back uh, Universal Roofers was in town. Uh, and that was my first uh, introduction into the roofing business. Uh, and then uh, we acquired Lions Roofing, I believe it was in 1991. Yeah, well, we've been in business for 26 years now. Uh, and it has been a, a great yeah, it's been a great economy for us. Also. Well, Lions Roofing got Rosie certified when the original founder, owner, Pat Lyons, owned it. You were uh, with him, and you had the opportunity. Pat wanted to go on to greener pastures, and you had the opportunity to kick him to the car. I mean, buy him. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, Rosie. Yeah, I worked with him for uh, three years, and then he did decide, too, that he was going to go to greener pastures, yeah. and that's how we acquired the business. Pat was a great guy. He was actually the first roofer we certified at Roselle Nass, as Correct. I recall. Mm-hmm. So y'all been in it for that long with us. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, we have only had one inch of rain recorded since August. That's 10 months of virtually no rain. Talk a little bit about the false sense of security people could have right now. Well, that's out of, a, out of mind, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? Exactly, because that's exactly what happens. Unless um, it's raining, you don't know that you're having issues with your roof. Uh, you tend not to do a lot of maintenance on the roof also, so that's the other drawback. But the best time to start looking at a roof, to buy a roof, is when it's not raining. That way you want to be proactive. Well, can you remember January of 2014, I think it was? Was it 14 or 15? What was what was y'all's uh, wait time you were asking people to, to, to that you could get somebody out to look at their house? It'd it be two to three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can get absolutely crazy when we're hit with four or five storms right in a row from different directions because a storm coming out of the north creates a whole different problem than the typical monsoon that comes in out of the south. It's completely different impact on the house and on the roof correct and we have just a variety type of different roofs you have your flat roofs your shingles your tiles so there's all different uh issues that could come up well you've been here roofing for 26 years i've been here building and remodeling for almost 50 years and i'll tell you in all of my experience when people ask me what's the number one problem that people have to deal with in owning a home in Arizona, it's moisture. And that answer always surprises people. And I tell them, look, the reason is because for years, through the 50s and 60s and 70s, the builders were literally servicemen that were here at Luke during World War II, decided that this was really a pretty nice place, invented, Gettle invented air conditioning, and now we've got a housing boom, and all these servicemen that became carpenters and contractors were from the Midwest. They had been here and never seen it rain, so they build houses as if it never, ever rains. And then we pay the price for the next four decades. We do, because (laughs) there's no natural disasters other than rain is the only thing. Yeah. We're still building houses out of stucco. I mean, how, when was the last time you got called to look at a flat roof? I mean, I mean, we, I, I'm guilty. Back in the 60s, we built houses with zero pitch, flat roof. Our thinking then 
Well, I, I, my thinking was just do what the boss says. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I asked him for a raise, and he said, okay, go work on the roof. <laughs> and, and we built them perfectly flat because in our mind, the, there's, there's no area for it to pool. It doesn't rain often enough to worry about it. The flat roof is kind of a cool-looking ranch style, kind of a modern look. And we don't need to slope the roofs. It, it, as soon as you get a quarter or three-eighths of an inch up there, it's going to find a way to run off. Exactly. And with moisture back in the day, you didn't have that much rainfall. So that was the other thing. And building the flat roofs, you had higher ceiling spaces other than yeah. the pitch type of roofs. So. We didn't insulate it then either. No. But, but power was only three cents a kilowatt. <laughs> <laughs> and we used single-pane windows. Oh, man, the building scientists have sure come a long way, haven't they? They sure have. So let's talk about uh, – I'm having fun just talking about the history of, of roofing. And we've got Rick that wants to talk about some ceiling. And, Rick, I'll get to you, but not until I finish having a little bit of fun here with Paul. So we've, we built flat roofs. What are some of the other catastrophes we've experimented with in roofing products? I can think of about four that – yeah, we 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 said, oops. Yeah, the the old Bermuda roofs, which was uh, the it almost looked like a tile that was just basically a light white concrete. It was almost like when you're making ice cream, you just blow a lot of air to it. So it had a little bit of an insulation, but it wasn't a waterproofer. You had to waterproof it up underneath. So that was uh, that was an interesting roof that, that we was, had here. That was late seventies, early eighties. Right. The, I was an early adopter of that product. Mm -hmm. I mean, you put down a solid asphalt roof, and then you took the same equipment that you shot gunite into a swimming pool with, you went up on the roof, and you shot concrete over the entire roof, lightweight concrete, mm -hmm. air and trained. And I just thought, well, why didn't somebody think of this? This is brilliant. And, I mean, we put a lot of Bermuda roofs on. And then we had some ordinary uh, – uh, some – out of the ordinary, really cold winters with some deep freezes that brought moisture and then freeze, cracked the lightweight concrete, cracked the Bermuda roof, and that family that invented the process wasn't in business very much longer after that. God bless them. They, I, I thought it was a great product. And most of the failures were Black Canyon City, Carefree, Cave Creek, you know, right on that northern edge of town. Correct. But there was no way to repair them. No. <laughs> couldn't coat them, couldn't no, put anything no, on them. No, you couldn't do nothing. Okay, so Bermuda roofs, we don't do those anymore. Yeah. We, don't do, we don't do flat roofs anymore. Yeah, <laughs> completely flat roofs, no. But the old tar and gravel, the old hot asphalt with the gravel on the top also is something that's gone by the wayside. Well, you don't see many of the hot pots anymore, mm -hmm. the tar pots. Is that insurance? What is that? Or just better methods? Better methods. Better methods and the insulation factors, the technology now with uh, polyurethane foam roofing, um, even the asphalt roofs, as long as they're well coated and such. But again, you don't have the benefits of the insulation. And how about rocks on the roof? I mean, that's just a brilliant idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to hold the roof down. <laughs> You know, back where I come from in Louisiana, we just use old Goodyear or Michelin tires. <laughs> we throw them up there. But in Arizona, we put rocks up there. Oh, so they all sprinkle off every rain. The patio, the back, the cool deck of the back, it's all covered Correct. in rock. 
Correct. What were those rocks for? Well, the idea it was it was to evaporate the water quicker when it was up on the roof because again, when you're getting two inches of rain a year, uh, it didn't sit there for long. <laughs> the rocks would heat up, in theory. In theory, and, and be an evaporative pond. Right. All right, we're gonna take a break right here. We're here with Paul Lanou and his sweet wife, Miss Rhonda, owners of Lion Roofing. Uh, I believe the oldest roofing, Rosie Certified Roofing Company in Arizona. They've been with us a long, long time. And we're talking roofing, and uh, we'll be right back, and we'll take Rick's call first thing when we get back. Hang on, Rick. With the desert sun blazing year-round, your home needs to have fortress-level protection against intense sun rays and oppressive heat. Hey, y'all, Rosie here. Fortunately, Pella Impervia fiberglass windows and doors are built to withstand the southwest climate and stay looking great for years, and it gets better. These energy-efficient Pella products can help keep your home more comfortable. So when you leave the sauna outside, you're greeted with a rejuvenating burst of cool air inside. The team from your local Pella Window and Doors of Scottsdale or Tucson can finish your installation project in as little as a day. You're just a short call away from a cooler, better looking, more energy efficient home. Visit the showroom in Scottsdale or call 877-987-3552 to lock in your Pella savings now. That's 877-987-3552. Call Pella now. Up on the roof at Rosie on the house with Paul and Rhonda Lanou, owners of Lions Roofing. Paul and I kind of got into a old-timer story there about things we've seen in the past, and I want to go back to some of those other stories, too. I mean, I, just thinking back on growing up in the trades here, I can remember as a framing uh, contractor, uh, as a kid, you know, uh, showing up. We, we would show up early and work under the lights of the concrete trucks, you know, in the middle of the summer. So we were reporting to the sites before 4 o'clock in the morning. And we would just work under the lights of the concrete companies. But that was only after we dipped all of our nails in wax so they would drive in easy. <laughs> easier. <laughs> that was before pneumatic nailers. <laughs> we would melt wax over all the nails. I don't think any of those houses have come down, but that's not a practice we do anymore either. I promised we'd get to Rick. Let's get to Rick real quick on line one. Has a question about a roof for the Lanus here of Lion Roofing. Good morning, Rick. He's on delay a little bit. Hey, Rick. He's listening on the radio. He's not listening in his phone. <laughs> I promise we get to Rick. Let's get to Rick real quick on line one. I have a question about it. Here he comes. For the Lanus, oh. here of Lion He's going to say hello? Hello? Is this yes, Rosie, you can hear me? <laughs> yeah, Rick, we can hear you. Go ahead, my friend. Yes, sir. Um, I moved into this uh, manufactured home uh, two years ago, and the previous owner that, that had it, um, it has shingles on there, but they've laid some kind of sealer up there. And it held out, it's been holding up pretty good. So I did it uh, two years ago, and the guy that did it said it's time to do it again. Should I keep on sealing it, or at some point should I replace it with shingles? A manufactured home. Is it kind of a, 
is it a sloped sea roof or is it like a little gentle domed? What what vintage is the mobile home? It has four vents on each, on uh, two in the front and two in the back. But what what, sl- what vintage? How old is it? Oh, eighty nine. So it, is it a little arched roof or is it a peak? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. L- okay. Little arch. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Paul, uh, would you ever want, you'd never want a tile shingle that, would you? No, you, yeah. you couldn't unless you had a, a <laughs> sub deck. Yeah. And, and good morning, Rick. Are, is there plywood down? Yes, uh, there's plywood. And I'm looking at it now. It is arched pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. There's plywood right now. I, uh, went to a home, uh, center, uh, well-known, uh, I won't say the name, but, uh, I was going to ask, uh, get an estimate, see what they wanted. And, uh, so they, uh, told me. The contractor was going to do it. He says they wouldn't do it if, if they they'd have to replace all the plywood for for their to warranty their their um, uh, warranty yeah. that the whole thing would have to be uh, yeah uh, resheeted. If it's original and it's eighty nine, they may and they've been out to inspect it. There may be a good argument for that, Paul. Yeah, correct. Because you can put shingles on a, on a roof that type, but yes, the that's, substrate that's, that's, that's is just a boat. Where do you put the ridge no, line? It's got a peak to it because okay. he's got shingles now. He's got plywood okay, up there, right. okay. and he just keeps coating over. I believe, correct, mm-hmm. Rick? You just keep coating yes, over the shingles. Okay, I missed. I missed right. that part. Okay. Okay. So yes, the best thing to do is to tear it off and and start up again. You. You're plugging the pores up with the coating over the granules on the, the actual shingles. Mm-hmm. And the redecking is probably only because of the thinness of the wood that's up there now is why they want to redeck it. And obviously you can't put it on top because of the extra weight. And Rick, are you leaking now? No, sir. Yeah. I haven't had one leak in two years I've been here. Well, then then the, the argument may be if you want to keep some of that sealer handy and a, and a clean roller and you're not opposed to crawling up there yourself every once in a while and hosing it off and letting it dry real good and spot treating it, um, if you want to self-maintain it, Rick, you you could get another lot of years out of it if you wanted to while you're saving up for the redecking. Right, right, right. It's pricey to do all that. And yeah. That's why that's why I'm doing this because it's just pricey to get all that done. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, Rick, we appreciate the call. Hope that gave you a little bit of guidance. Let's see if we can get to Tom real quick on line three before we have to break for bottom of the hour news. Tom, we've got about one minute. Can you get in there with your question real quick? Yeah, question regarding recoding my roof. I was looking at silicone product that's lifetime warranty, but it's really expensive. Is that good for a flat roof? Does it last a lifetime? Well, it actually doesn't la- last a lifetime. Basically, it's if you have a flat roof, there's elastomeric coating, and then there is also the silicone coating, and the silicone is pricier. You use less of the product, it will give you another five to eight years of extra life on it, but it's still a maintenance item. You are still going to have to recoat. Once you recoat with silicone, the drawback is you have to continue using silicone coatings. I want to come back to more of this low slope roof maintenance. When we come back with Paul and Rhonda Lanoue of Lion Roofing to continue addressing Tom's question of roof coatings. Right here at Rosie on the House. Corey, I see you're on hold. We'll get to you, buddy.
Jamal, you've got me thinking about all the things we used to do <laughs> out on the building site. I mean, it's, it's just it's fun to be able to get with somebody that's about my same age that can think back that far and think, wow, it the building sciences has has really come a long, long ways. In, in particular, the last 20, 25 years. Correct. What are some of the things y'all have seen in roofing? Well, I got to tell you, it uh, the detail work on the tile roofs, we see so many tile roofs, but now when you see a re-roof on a tile roof, you see the bird stop, you see the metal eave changes, your roof-to-wall metals. Before, they didn't have that, you know, it was like... Probably in the last 14 years, now you're getting your correct J-pans and your valley rib were the two. We, we used to just cut strips of 90-pound and bend it and squeeze it and squish it and goop it all up and stuff it in the hole. Correct. So that's where, that's where we've come now. And then also on our flat roof situations with the uh, polyurethane foam, your foam systems, your coatings have come a long way. We were talking before about silicone coatings versus elastomeric. Uh, there's another change that has come along. I don't have a lot of experience with the silicone. Is that is that something that's easy enough to handle it could be a do-it-yourself product it's it's a little complicated isn't it it's a little tricky it's a little complicated it's more of a commercial type of application than it is a residential application so it is a little bit harder to put on it you know when it should be sprayed on you could roll it on also but again it's the same idea you want to spray it on thinner than it is thicker you rather have a couple of coats of it Okay. Well, let's take Corey real quick. He has an insulation question, but he's been on hold very patiently. We'll take his question real quick and get back to Rufy. Good morning, Corey. Welcome to Rosie on the House. Hey, good morning, Rosie. Thanks for taking my call, sir. You bet. Hey, I was just, uh, there was a couple weeks back, I heard you talking about something about uh, a return on investment on getting your roof or your attic insulated. And that it's only about 10%. I don't remember if this is exact the numbers you said, but if you could go over that one more time, because I got a buddy of mine that's considering doing that, and I was trying to explain to him, reciprocate what you said, but I didn't remember everything. So if you could just go over that, you know, whether you'd recommend it or not to recommend it. Well, the thing, the thing about attic temperature is it scares people so much because it gets so hot up there, 150, 160 plus, and they're thinking, gosh, it cost me so much in my air conditioning bill. And it doesn't. If you're properly insulated to an R30 or an R38 in the middle of the summer when your attic is 160 degrees and you've got your thermostat in the house turned to 76, it only impacts your air conditioning bill 10%. That means it only impacts your electric bill 5%. So if you've got a $200 air conditioning cooling bill in the middle of the summer, the heat in the attic is only costing you $10 a month. But yet I know people that will spend thousands of dollars on radiant barriers or over-insulating the attic. That isn't the problem. The windows and the doors are the problem, okay? And remember this, never power ventilate your attic. Because as soon as you create a negative pressure in the attic, it's going to be sucking air out of your house through the recessed cans, through the bathroom exhaust vents. So, yes, it will drop the temperature of your attic, 
but it does that by sucking the air conditioning out of the air inside your house, which you've already paid to cool. So there's no return on investment for that. All right, plenty of studies to substantiate that. Don't over-insulate R30 or R38 installed correctly. Only passive ventilate your attic. Don't actively with a, with a motor or a fan or a pump of any type, uh, and you'll be all set. And there is a place for radiant barriers, but I promise you, it's not in your attic, and it's not at your house. Okay, so there, put it to rest. Let's get back to roofing with Paul Lanou of Lions Roofing. We've talked about the, some of the mistakes we've made in roofing. One thing we didn't cover that I want to cover, is there ever, is it ever appropriate on the desert floor to install wood-shaped shingles on a house? That seems insane to me. It does seem insane, but it is a beautiful roof. <laughs> it is a well-insulated roof. And the drawback is the, the, the new generation of wood is not as good as it was. I mean, we've all seen cedar shake roofs been up on the house 50 years or so. The new wood is not going to be as hardy as the old one, even your number one cedar shakes. You still can get the, the, the three-quarter inch thick shake that's almost two feet long tapers down to an eighth inch correct and what, what do those cost right now <laughs> they're ridiculous the cost <laughs> is just over the top but if you have to have a shake roof it is a great insulated roof it looks good the drawback again your your ridges you're going to have to redo at about 12 to 15 years so there's going to be a little bit color variance on the ridges and such but other than that, we probably do about four or five shake roofs a year. You do. Mm -hmm. I didn't still. even. I didn't even know you could. I didn't even know a wholesaler still shipped that material to the Southwest. <laughs> they still do. Oh man, I, I see a shake roof and I just think fire. Especially how many times we we were told through the sixties and seventies to put penetrating oil on those. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. Let's make it more of a fire hazard. Yeah, more of a fire hazard, exactly. <laughs> and you do get a discount. If you convert over from a, a cedar shake roof to an asphalt or a tile roof, there is a savings for your homeowner's insurance. Yeah, yeah the homeowner's but insurance company love to see you make that trade. So we did tell people a lot of times with those roofs that when you're painting, every time you're painting your house, have the roofer, uh, or have the painter get some linseed oil and spray the shingles. And that is that even ended up being the wrong information. Correct. You got a <laughs> blotchy-looking roof, and then the oils <laughs> clogged up the pores of the wood. It, it couldn't breathe. the face of the fascia. Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, it was more of a, an accident waiting to happen. With a wood shake, rather than oil it, what you need to do is you need to install a sprinkler system on your roof. <laughs> right, Rhonda? And you just need to turn the sprinklers on and get them wet about every two to three months. Correct. Especially like when we haven't had rain like this in, in 100 days or so, you definitely do want to go up there and hose it down. It just expands the wood. It's it's natural. Oh. I like the idea of sprinklers on the roof just so that it can look like it's raining. Just so it, yeah, just so it can look and feel like rain, that's for sure. So, Okay. Y'all operate in Phoenix. Y'all operate in Tucson. 
What are the differences in the roofing market between those two communities? Boy, uh, quite a bit. Uh, and really, it's amazing how different it is. It's completely different, yes. A lot of low-slope roofing in Tucson area. Here it's a little bit different. Um, so hot asphalt roofs and a lot of coating. Some people say Tucson is like the coating capital of the world. They just yeah. keep coating every roof forever. I know a roofing company down there that's been in business, I think, over 40 years, and they've never installed a roof. All they do is patch, repair, and coat. coat. And they're very successful. They're very good at it. But it is the coating capital of the world. It is. And uh, and they're trying to reflect as much. I mean, the heat is what we're all trying to, you know, trying to get some insulation comfort out of it. And the idea is the white is going to reflect the ultraviolet rays and help you out. When I bought my house at 4th and Alvernon in mm -hmm. Tucson, I had to pay the roofing. I had to pay the roofing contractor from Phoenix. Now this is a long time ago mm -hmm. to go down there and spray foam it. And every one of my neighbors looked at me and said, what are you doing? I mean, foam never did catch on down there. It never caught on, but it was because the foam was not up to, uh, it wasn't the same quality as it is today. When foam came into the market in the 80s? Correct. We had some early failures in Tucson? Correct. And Correct. Man, man, they never were willing to give it a second chance and until recently. Never gave it a second chance. We've been there now, I want to say, six, seven years, and it's been a slow transition. But there's two other roofers now that do foam, They, yeah. you know, from the valley that are up there. So there's more competition the more the people get educated to the efficiencies. I love foam on low-slope roofs mm -hmm. and on, 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 on behind the backs of parapets. Uh, it it self-flashes. I mean, it sticks to everything. Mm -hmm. it's so, I mean, installed correctly, and, and people ask me, what should the surface look like? And I tell them it ought to look like about the surface of a basketball. Right. If it looks like a bowl of scrambled eggs, that, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, needs, it needs to be, you know, and it's all the guy on the trigger. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it is very uh, temperamental. Very temperamental, and the application, the applicator, and the actual system, the, your mechanics of how it's heated, has to be dialed in just correctly to get a good foam roof on. It's, a, it's really a lot to it because even the applicator can't drip sweat onto the surface. How, now, how do you do that? <laughs> Very difficult. They're it wearing is. a little hoodie, but yeah. every drop that he sweats down there will be a little itty bitty blister. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Well, listen, Taylor's on on the line here. He wants to visit with us about something I don't. I'm not familiar with. He's calling it a TPO roof. Okay, Taylor, welcome to Rosie on the House. Let me introduce you to Paul Lanou, owner of Lions Roofing. What's your roofing question? Taylor, we got everybody listening on the radio. Nobody's listening on their phone this morning. Yeah, and there's a little delay here, too. Okay. So. Taylor, are you there? Going once. While we're waiting for Taylor, Paul, what's a TPO roof? Well, it's basically it's a 
like a rubber roof, a rubberized type of roof. It's a single ply, very thin type of roof. Uh, they're using it more and more like on patio type of roofs. It's basically a commercial application. Um, again, with the building envelope that we have here with your parapet walls and your edge details, it's a very difficult roof to construct. Um, and then you also have to add the insulation because we're looking at, you know, 55, 60 mils of uh, the product that goes on. Is that a torch down? No, it's is not a, a torch down. Is it down. a nail down? It's, it's heat welded. Okay. It's heat welded. And so his question in particular, Taylor, you haven't come to the phone yet, have you? Taylor, Taylor, going once, going twice. Hello, hello, hello. His question was, what is the maintenance needed on it once it's down? Well, it depends. When you first put it down, you really don't need a coating, but you could coat that roof with the right product. Again, you have to open up the pores of the TPO to accept the coating properly. But there is no maintenance other than that, other than, you know, depending on where it's at. Tree trimmers come in, they poke through <laughs> the roof, you're, you're looking at basically a patch All on right. the roof. There you go. Paul Lanou with his wife, Rhonda, owners of Lions Roofing. Again, the earliest Rosie certified roofer in the state of Arizona operating in Phoenix as well as in Tucson. We'll be back wrapping up our topic of roofing right after this. <laughs> It's Rosie on the house, and we're up on the roof this morning talking about different roof types. I want to talk about different types of roof maintenance. We're here with the owners of Lions Roofing, Paul and Rhonda Lanou. Rhonda, I've, we usually allow our guests to give out their phone numbers just as a way to thank them for coming in and sharing their wisdom and knowledge and expertise with us. Y'all operate in Phoenix. If in someone Phoenix, needed y'all in Phoenix, what would be the number? You would want to call us at 602-276-5515, excuse me. And in Tucson, you could contact us directly at 520-300-5353. Or you could visit us at lionsroofing.com, and we have help on the website. We have live chat. So you could reach us any one of those ways. That's awesome. We appreciate y'all coming in. We were talking about maintenance in response to a caller's question, maintenance of a TPO roof. Paul, how about maintenance in general? How many times are you called out for water intrusion in a home and it's not the roof? It happens more than you would think. But I, I would tell you half the time I'm called out about a suspected roof leak, I find it's not the roof. There are so many different areas. Windows are a huge area that it comes in. Stucco walls, your parapet walls, the way they're wrapped, they are not waterproof. You've been preaching that for many, many years. Uh, the best way to do is keep a good paint job and keep it maintained as well as possible. But those are the probably the two biggest areas that we see is the windows and the stucco walls. Now, it, it I'll tell you, a tough re-roofing job is to come in on top of a built-up roof and you get to the cant strip and then you get to the counter flashing and they want foam. 
I mean, your only option is foam right over the cant strip, right over the Z-Flash, right up the top of the stucco, isn't it? It, it is, but you have to go, if you're going to go that route, you have to go seal it in because yeah. basically you're blocking the waters. <laughs> right. So you have to go up to the top and cover the top of it to make sure that it's waterproof. But it's, but it's really the only, there's no other good option in that application, is there? There is not, not unless you've got a good 8 to 12 inches of space at the wall. Then you can go right up to that metal, yeah. shoot up, and then counter flash that. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a tough one. But in, in, my, in my opinion, generally it's still worth doing it because the outsolation, and we had a show just a couple of weeks ago about how important it is to put the insulation on the outside of your house, it actually is much more effective than insulation. So what other maintenance can you ch – I look at alligatoring. I look at roof penetrations. Describe those things. Correct. And in and, and all roofs, you really should – have a, a well-maintenance program even in your head to make sure before monsoon, whether it be a tile roof, you have want to make sure that the valleys are all kept clean so the water flow comes through, your flat roofs, your foam, your built-up roofs, your scupper areas where the water comes out. You've got a lot of tree debris. A lot of people don't go up on there. It's It's sometimes a little difficult to get up on there especially on a tile roof if you have a patio set your ladder up on the flat roof and walk up the concrete tile the clay tile you're not going to be able to walk on or your sand it breaks castle. when you look at it I, I tell people don't even look at it yeah. And uh, shingle roofs, even that, uh, we have so many air conditioners on top of the roof. So you have penetrations. You have your pipes. You have your T-tops for your vents from your bathrooms and your kitchens. Those need to make sure that they're completely sealed. So, yeah. And now's the time to do it. Now's the time to and do Rosie, it. And, Rosie, a lot of things uh, that people don't think about or not a lot of things is organic matter. You have not only the tree leaves, but you have uh, pigeons nesting on your roof. Uh, in some cases, you have other critters. And unfortunately, you have, you know, birds that, that die on your roof. And you got to get up on your roof and make sure your roof is clean of that debris because that organic debris is going to break down. It's compost. It's going to break down, and it's going to start eating whatever roofing material you have up there. So it's very important to just hose off or blow off your roof to make sure there's no debris. And cracked tile are critical to replace and repair. I don't think most people realize in a lot of the tile situations, their tile roof is not nailed down. Right. <laughs> it's just interlocked. It's interlocked. You, 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 and that's per code. I mean, that's okay. That's the way the roofing can You're only nailed around the edges, and the rest of the tile is just sitting there. Correct. And the weight of the tile holds it down, but then the tile does shift through time. and Foot traffic. Foot traffic, and the painter is going up there every five to eight years or so. So there is some change. That's why you want to make sure they're pushed back up because all you've got is that felt underlayment that's protecting you. Rhonda, in Phoenix, they would reach Lions Roofing at what number? At 602-276-5515. And in Tucson. And in Tucson, 520-300-5353. Paul and Rhonda Lanou, not only Rosie certified roofers, one of the first ones in Arizona, 
but just good people and good friends. Tom, Jonathan, and Louie, we see y'all on hold. We're going to answer your question. We just didn't have time to get to you on air. So until next week, don't get scared. Go to rosieonthehouse.com. 